Hello and welcome to Yagmoth Slip Opera, episode 63. I'm Andy and I'm joined by the regular co-hosts of Cronin, Josh, and Abstract 66, or the Hoff, Zach. How you doing, guys? How's the week been? Been doing good. Yeah, nice week, nice week. Good weather out here. Ah, not too bad here. We had a bit of a rainstorm, but uh, yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. So uh, this week on uh, on the soap opera, we're going to have a look at the uh, the latest with the classic league um, leading to the Invitational. Uh, the round one pairings have been completed, and um, round two pairings are up, and some of those matches have been played already. Um, Cronin's been doing a grand job recording some of the feature matches, and we'll talk about those. And they're included as uh, video articles in the, in the text-based um, element of, of, the, of the podcast. So check those out as well. There's um, a good couple of hours worth of entertainment in there, I'd imagine. Uh, we've also got the community spotlight back, having a look at the previous uh, runner of the league, MMOG. And we'll be talking about Omniscious and anything else that takes our fancy. So shall we, shall we take a look at um, the round one results? Yeah, sounds good. Let's see what happened. Yeah, we've got round one here. Um, to go back and look at who won, I just put a little trophy next to the person's name. That's high tech, dude. Helpful. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty nice. So you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> um, so we started it off with a mirror match, actually. Uh, Whiffy Penguin against the Crisp one, both playing Dredge. Yeah, the odds of the mirror on uh, Dredge Mirror are pretty slim. I think there's only three players in the entire tournament on Dredge. Yep. Seems like there's been a lot of mirror-type matches in this so far compared to what the odds are for that happening, but whatever. Uh, the Chris one ended up taking that one. And the next one is my match against Bat Goods, another clan mate. And uh, he proceeded to pretty much destroy me with his stacks build using Karn to great effect against my equipment. Yeah, uh, I would have thought, uh, on paper, you looked pretty favorite to win that match, I would have thought. I mean, you had um, answers to some of his uh, busted plays. I think you had Souls to Plowshares for his metal workers, and you got the Delvers to flip and get in the air and start getting some damage in. Uh, small casting cost. What was it that really did you in? What was the what was the problem there? Which Which cards ended up crushing you? Game one, it was definitely Karn. Uh, game one, I had a pretty, uh, I had like a couple of stone forges and got my equipment out, and then he just kept turning them into creatures. And, and he actually uh, metamorphed my batter skull, so that wasn't good either. Oh, that sounds rough. Yeah. So, and game two went really long. He ended up beating me down with a uh, revoker, actually. Mm. And he played out, I think, seven spheres or something like that. So, I yeah, think those pests. Yeah, pesky revokers. Eh? Chalice on one, I think. So that's pretty much death. Good stuff. So at least, uh, at least it managed to put uh, a member of Clan Magic Eternal into the winners bracket, even if it wasn't you. Yep. Uh, next up, Calavera, another member of Clan Magic Eternal, playing Merfolk. And um, we talked briefly about his uh, techie list last week, where he's running two main de- deck Gilded Drakes. And he was up against Magic Player 2003014, uh, <laughs> playing Snapcaster Control. That just rolls uh, off the tongue, huh? <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine typing that in all the time. Yeah, great fun. Anyway, Calavara with his merfolk uh, got the job done. Um, I guess um, being able to turn on all those uh, island walks uh, with, the t- with the Lord of Atlantis and the Masters of the Pearl Trident really helps when your opponent's running a blue base control deck. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, next up, um, a guy I've not seen in Classic before, uh, Tim Irwin, uh, running High Tide versus, um, well, a, a seasoned professional in the classic, classic environment, Naoto. Yeah, he actually wrote an article about this, and I think I watched it on Pure. It was pretty cool. Um, I mean, it's not a very good matchup for High Tide if anybody's playing, but add on Naoto and, you know, with Counter Magic and all that stuff, it's, it's kind of rough. Yeah, I saw his article too. It's fantastic the amount of coverage that the, the league's getting. There's um, a few people recording matches and a couple of other people writing about it. and um, It's good to have all that coverage and, and um, hopefully will spark further interest in the format. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Naoto talked about some cool cool card choices he made, like the staff of Nin in there. So it's a pretty good article. Definitely. So next up, we have uh, another member of Man- Clan Magic Eternal, very seasoned veteran, uh, Cat Weasel, a.k.a. Vicky, and she's running Grizzle Shoth um, against Pitlord, who's, the th- I guess, the third dredge guy. And, yep. um, yeah, uh, Vicky took it. I mean, she's one of those good players. Typically, dredge has a good matchup against almost anything, but, you know, play somebody like that, you've you got to be ready. She's, she's pretty well-versed in all the major archetypes of classic. And she's changed her... She normally just played the good game both lists, but now she's got the Dragon's Breath along with uh, a couple of show and tells, and she added in Gristlebrand. Yeah. Definitely. Who's this next matchup? Looks like uh, <laughs> our good co-host here. Yeah, I didn't actually get to play this game. Um, I was away that week, uh mentioned it to the tournament organizer before I went and he was happy with me with me joining so I was effectively giving uh, giving the affinity player a buy um, I fancied my chances in that matchup but it's easy to say when you don't get to play it um, I think the doomsday deck is capable of uh, of racing the affinity build and there's not an awful lot of disruption in the affinity deck but uh, yeah didn't get to play and um, started off the tournament with a with a loss yeah it, it happens I'm- you know, I had kind of a similar situation here coming up, but uh, hey, we'll see what happens next week, right? Yeah, absolutely. The next matchup didn't actually take place either. Um, Cantripping and the Maniac couldn't get together at the right time, and uh, actually, Cantripping just forgot about the match, so, <laughs> so the Maniac <laughs> ended up taking that one. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. Too busy tripping. Yeah, it would have <laughs> been a tough matchup for him, too, with Green White against. Tendrils. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got um, Foil Tamagoth Owns You. Um, I've not seen that username before, but uh, running uh, good game uh, Grizzle Shoth uh, versus Doranoth. And Doranoth's been around in the classic classic scene for quite a while now and uh, typically plays these um, green-white, green-white-black fish builds. Normally does very well with them, um, but unfortunately for him, he, he lost round one. Yeah, I, that was... I, I finally did catch this video and I thought it was pretty funny, and I, and I think it it's worth it to go back and mention to everybody listening, just out of a out of a, sh- a good gesture kind of a thing. Really, do your best not to talk during these matches because, like, as, as a totally like you know, I had no party to side with on this. Just a, as as a casual observer, I think the conversations in the games actually hurt a lot with this with this one in particular. Uh, Durnoth's a tight player, and he made a huge mistake in this game that I just don't see him making if uh, if there weren't as many comments going back and forth. Yeah, it was outside spectators that were commenting on that one, unfortunately. Uh, uh, 
Next up, we've got another clanmate, the Wild Dog, uh, running Gush Delver build. And he was up against Chris Cool with another Green White Hate list. And Chris Cool actually ended up taking that one, which I guess he's just got more creatures, but I don't think I would necessarily expect Green White to win that matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, that looks like a. Hey, you really? Because I think Green White, like, if this 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 matchup more goes down to just kind of like creature versus creature, and I think the Green White creatures are just better. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah, also, when you, sorry, he's definitely got more creatures. I get uh, Wild Dog has like, uh, Snapcasters and Lightning Bolts and stuff though, so he can. Yeah, when when you look at some of the creatures in the Green White deck, though, you can kind of see why the the result might have. Ended being like it did, and um, with three main deck Thalia and uh, three main deck Gadoptig as well, shutting off um, the ability to to get going with that Gash Bond engine as well. Yeah, yeah. And he threw a couple of main deck Grim, Grim Lava Mancers, which could have been trouble for him too. Hmm. Yeah, this was uh, the next match was a game I would like to have seen: Excorpio on Shoth versus Blue Diamonds on Show and Tell Storm. Was that with uh, Was that with Bargain? Is it? Uh, I don't think he has bargain. I think he's got necropotence. Um, no, he, oh, yeah, he has a bargain. A, one bargain, but he's got uh, four gristle brands to show and tell in, so he can draw a ton of cards. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Four gristle brands are nice. So, yeah. um, I mean, that, that's that's two really good players. Like Andy was saying, definitely uh, a match that we would have liked to have recorded, but. Uh, Hey, both of them are uh, nice guys, and they're big in the classic community, so congrats to you, Scorpio. Um, next up, we have Fishy Fellow on Iona Oath versus uh, Alberto Dalv, which who's on 4C Delver. And uh, looks like Iona Oath took it. I mean, I, you kind of got to think that's that's one of the slight advantages to playing Oath is that Delver's so heavy in the format, right? Yeah, definitely. It's not the same. It's not the normal creature package we would expect out of an oath build, but yeah, I, I mean, I, it's it's tough to beat an Iona, and it's tough to beat Platinum. I mean, the thing about Platinum Angel, the card always kind of confuses me a bit because it's not hard to kill a creature and an artifact in the same thing. So I always wonder why people run that in general. And like you say, it's not something we see very much. So I'd love yeah. to get the get some feedback on that from Fishy Fellow, like what his thoughts were with uh, going with Platinum Angel and why he picked it. He's got Progenitus in the sideboard as well, so that could be a good one. Yeah. Imperial Archangel, Greater Gargadon, there's some there's some very... I, I imagine Gargadon's for the uh, Oath Mirror, right? Yeah, I would think so. Anyway, um, very very cool matchup, and it looks like uh, like we said, Fishy Fellow took it. Um. I'm looking at the deck list on the Classic Quarter for the Fishy Fellow, and it's looking like he's running full main deck Emrakul. Is that just wrong on the Classic Quarter? Hmm? Fishy Fellow. His deck list in the Classic Quarter uh, deck list database is uh, Emrakul, not Iona. Really? I, I don't see that anywhere. Fishy Fellow. Yeah. I'm I'm going to the link from the article here. Oh, I'm in the deck database. Maybe it's just an error. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway, he he took that one. And uh, next up was Uncle 
who was 4C Delver against uh, Rising Storm, who was Good Game Oath. I assume that's traditional uh, Good Game Oath. Yep. And, uh, yeah, um, looks like the uh, Good Game Oath came through again versus Delver. you got to think the Oath has a little bit of a, a matchup advantage on that. Um, next up was One Million Words, a.k.a. Pete John versus myself. And uh, like I said last week, we never really got uh, connected. Um, not going to lie, I was a little bit frustrated that he didn't let me know that the Gen Con thing was going to be going all week, but, uh, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll keep going forward, and we both got a buy out of that. Um, who's up next, guys? Just as a side note, yeah, that, that link in the article is actually wrong. It is a Emrakul build for Fishy Fellow. I'll oh. have to switch that link. So, um, Up next, we have Philip J. Fry against... DJI or DJI DJI 84 doing a he ran a Belcher list for Philip J Fry and a Stone Forge list for DJI DJI 84 and the Stone Forge list actually ended up taking that one which I guess he just had enough counter magic I would think yeah the the problem with Belcher and the, and the reason I was saying I, I think it's probably the only deck that could be more explosive than Straight Storm but it's also the least resilient of all of those decks. Ever, 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 ever. I mean, it, like, you stop Belcher or the uh, Empty the Warrens before they ever happen, and there's, like, no out. You know what I mean? At yeah. least with Storm, you have, like, Yog Will, you know, Turn Back, Tendrils of Agony, uh, maybe a Blight Steel in there. You, you have a lot of win conditions. With, with Belcher, it's, like, one and done, you know? I wonder how huge those Fluster Storms are in the sideboard there. I imagine they were pretty big. Yeah, and he's got missteps and mana drains and force of wills and stuff, spell pierces, so he's pretty well set up to deal with an early Belcher. Yeah. Uh, up next, we had Slug360 on a, another of the 4C Delver lists against Xtho13X playing Metalworker Stacks, one of the, I think there's three regular Stacks builds in in the tournament here. And uh, Slug actually ended up taking that one, which has kind of been part of Stax's problem, is being able to beat an early Delver. Yeah, I mean, beating the early Delvers is always tough. That's why people run the Delvers, right? Dang Delvers. Well, you know, it's kind of got pushed out, a lot of these Stax lists, as Delver gained prevalence. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of like the big meta shift. And we had another one of our a mirror match here. Kurabo against Game Master 32, Kia on Pier here. And they were both playing Affinity. And you can actually... Kia also wrote an article about his match, so... You know what's <laughs> awesome? If I would have bet on that match, I know I would have won money because I would have guessed that Affinity would win. <laughs> I probably would have lost money on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have won money because I'd have probably have gone, no disrespect to Korobo, I'd probably gone for Game Master 32 to win. Yeah, I don't know either of them that well, so. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure about Affinity. It's uh, it's an odd deck choice for a, for a league, I feel. I don't know, maybe it's just a random comment there, but it just doesn't have any disruption. It doesn't really have any way of interacting. So you're basically playing, in my mind, a bad version of Dredge. You're trying to do your own thing, and it can be hated on, 
and I mean the affinity deck is, is probably slower than dredge as well so if you want to run a kind of aggressive beatdown deck trying to do funky things wouldn't you just be better off running something like dredge I don't know it keeps winning games it does well it's difficult for the blue decks to deal with I think that's the problem unless they've got well, I think the big thing is, against Dredge, like, game two, you can bring in eight cards that stop it completely, whereas something like an Ancient Grudge is not good enough to stop Affinity, usually. Mm. So the hate is just a little bit different. Yeah, but this list just runs so many cards, which, unless you're hooked up, are just really bad. Well, I'm going to totally keep my opinion to myself, because the last time I said anything about Affinity... Wiffy Penguin and I got into the longest debate ever regarding <laughs> if Affinity and Oath could beat each other and blah, blah, blah. So I have no idea. I've never played Affinity. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does run Greg, uh, Gaia's Cradle, which uh, is a fantastic card. Doesn't see enough play. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on. We yeah. have Enderfall um, with a Snapcast build against uh, Planet Walls with a Birthing Pod Shops deck. We talked about both of these decks last week, I think. Yep, and Planet Walls also from uh, MTGO Academy. He's got the that match recorded as well. So Awesome. Yeah, very techy list. Yeah, I, I actually I have to say that his list stood out to me when we were looking at them at the uh, beginning of the season. His was really cool. I like the innovation there, and I definitely I give you, I give you props, Planet Walls. Yep. And then uh, next up, we got Cownos uh, with Snapcaster Control, who lost to Games Banding's Delva. Yep. He mentioned that he's trying to go a little bit bigger. Cownos is playing a bunch of Jaces and stuff like that. Tezzeret, I think he has in there, um, and Games Banding is a little bit quicker to get his creatures out there and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can see that, I guess. Um, I, I I think in, in, in blue-based matchups, typically the Snapcaster control kind of a go-to-Jace thing would be great, but when you're playing against blue aggro like that, it's not as good. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And then we've got Enric versus Yuvatha mm-hmm. um, on Delver and Noblefish, respectively. And uh, I'm not sure who won that one. I think Enric won that one. Okay, cool, good stuff. Um, the the second uh, Murfolk deck in the format by Mr. Foil himself uh, managed to beat Dark Times. Wait, Montolio played Murfolk too? No, no, the other Mr. Foil, sorry, Mr. Mooncan. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. I have more foils than you, Montolio. <laughs> and Montolio himself, who's also a Mr. Foily man, um, ran Metalworker Stacks to victory over Call One Me One Dragon playing Delva. And that's really wrapping up the uh, the round one, putting the round one in the books. And uh, round two pairings went up, and some of those games have been played and are underway. Um, but again, uh, Cronin's uh, kindly gone through and uh, mapped out who's playing which deck against which deck. So I guess we could go through and uh, each of us could could say how we feel on paper the matches will uh, will play out and then we can see how we did wait who's Tim Graham Tim Graham I have no idea uh, he got a uh, buy in round one ah okay he was the last guy to submit his list I think and ended up getting the buy but his his deck is has got some really really 
freaky stuff in it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, Ink, Ink Fathom uh, Infiltrator, Tormented Souls, We Night Raiders. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Helm of the Ghast Lord. Temporal what? Extortion. I'm not really sure what's going on here. It's a very interesting deck. This looks like a deck Cronin made in a dream. <laughs> well, yeah. Some so, mono blue, not mono black. Yeah, it seems like some sort of budget build, but I'm, you know, welcome the guy to the format, and hopefully he'll um, he'll have some fun playing his matches. Not gonna lie, it looks cool, and I don't know. We'll see what happens. I I I have to think that it's not gonna compare with the tinkers and the yogwells of the format, but who knows? Well, He's up against uh, Foil Tarmogoyf owns you with a Oath build, a is good game Gristle Shoth build, so well, that's a pretty bad match for him, I would think. Not just that, but it's also that the guy's playing mono black and he has no discard, so that's really scary. Yep, yep, I think the uh, the most likely outcome there is a win for Foil Tarmogoyf owns you, but we shall see, we shall see. Next up we've got Snapcaster Control versus Gush Delva. And really, that could come down to a coin flip, in my opinion. Yep, that'll be interesting to see. Um, again, Wild Dog's got like Grim Lava Mancer, so he can shoot down some early Delvers if he needs to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Good Game Oath versus Dredge. Uh, and I think that depends just on how often Rising Storm can get his uh, Dredge hate. Great games two and three. You got to think Dredge yeah. usually takes game one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, got he's, got, he's got some interesting, uh, interesting sideboard against Dredge with uh, four Leyline, four Ravenous traps, and uh, if he chooses to bring them in, there's also a couple of Fire Spound. I don't think he'll bring those in, but yeah, no, probably not. Probably not. But I have, I have seen uh, sweepers like that being brought in before. I don't know how many cards he can afford to take out and still have his deck run properly if he's already got eight slots between the four Rav mm. Traps and four Ley Lines. Yeah, agreed. Next up we have uh, Mr. Shiny Montolio against uh, Kea, Game Master 32. So that is Metalworker Stacks against Affinity. Um, this one is already done. I actually got to see this one later and Affinity did win this one. Hmm. Yeah, um, quite a lot, I guess, dead cards for Montolio in the matchup. Well, not yep. dead, but cards which don't necessarily have as much an impact against other decks. For example, Lodestone Golem um, doesn't have any uh, effect against um, the artifacts of the deck, and, and likewise with um, Fawn of Amethyst. Yeah, I, I can see Trenosphere, if he runs that, being the best card in this matchup. Yeah, and his other really good cards are six casting costs, like your uh, worm coil engine and your steel hell kite. So that was kind of hard to get to, I would think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next up, gains banding versus one million words, both on Delva. This was a complete mirror match, basically, because I think uh, one million words used a list that gains banding had run a while ago. Okay. And this is one of our feature matches, so. Very cool. Cool. Either way, Delver will win that matchup. 
<laughs> Next up, we've got uh, Penguin Dredge versus Dragon Delver. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you kind of got to think Dredge has the advantage here. Um, as far as just going against a blue deck. It all depends on the hate, though, I guess. Because, you know, Dredge will probably win round game one, and then Delver will win uh, two and three if they get the hate. But if they don't, you know, either one of those games, Dredge has a Dredge has a pretty good chance. Yeah, the, the hate's pretty packing there with uh, three three traps and four cages. Yep, seven slots. That's the number. So, yep, that's it. Next up, and Murphy Gristle Show. Yep. I I got a fancy Calavera there, I think. Depends on how quick of a start he has, I think, and how quick of a start Catweasel has. She can't really sit back, back very long, so... Well, you know what? I, I, I'd put a different twist on it rather than how fast. I'd think how much counter magic Calavera has, because I think that's going to be the deciding factor. If Vicky, like, the thing about Merfolk is, which I really like... You could straight play around Daze and Curse Catcher, right? One or the other, you, you, if you have one Curse Catcher out, you need two extra mana. If you have none, you need one extra for Daze. But Force of Will, I think, is what the, the, the matchup boils down to. Um, I think with Cat Weasel's skill level, i I got to say, I think she could probably take it. But again, you guys, like you guys are saying, this is a blue-based deck, so uh, the Merfolk does have a great automatic end, you know what I mean? And I doesn't look. I think Calavera for a while was running Waterfront Bouncer, and I don't think he has that anymore. He's got Gilded Drakes instead. Hmm. I guess he had to find slots for Master of the Pearl Trident, which is a good new card for them. Agreed. And uh, yeah, next we have uh, Uncle on 4C Delver. I'm getting sick of saying the word 4C Delver against yeah. Enderfall on 4C Snapcaster. Almost as annoying. Um, I don't know. This matchup could go either way, as any of these other Delver versus Snapcaster, Delver versus Delver, or Snapcaster versus Snapcaster's matchups can go. I think Uncle did actually win this one. I was talking to Scott. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and we talked earlier at the end of the other round. I think it was uh, Cownos against Dave Gaines Banding. Yeah, in the last round, we were talking about how Snapcaster control goes harder for the, the Javeses and the bigger stuff, and Delver's just faster to vomit. So. Yeah. Um, Dredge with Pitlord against Blue Diamonds on Show and Storm. Um, I know, I'm not really familiar with Pitlord. I am familiar with Blue Diamonds, but I also know that these two archetypes could go either way. Dr- Show and Storm's one of the ones that's just as fast as Dredge. Basically, Dredge is turn two, usually, turn two, turn three. Um, same with Show and Storm. I mean, you get Artifact Acceleration, uh, Mana Accelerants, or just straight Storm spells, and you can win real quick. And there's only four ley lines for... Oh, there's two Yixla Jailers as well for Blue Diamonds. Yep. And so, then, yeah, could go either way. I, I think so. I mean, I, that one's hard to predict. Um, next is Slug360 against Mooncon. Um, 4C Delver against Merfolk. Uh, I think I like Merfolk in that, just because I think Delvers are potent and everything, but I think, you know, having a huge army that all gives the rest of the army bonuses is probably a little bit better. Yeah, um, I agree. Then we have whoever these guys are, Hammer Eternal <laughs> versus Cronin. You guys want to walk us through that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, we uh, we met up in client, managed to find the time which was compatible between uh, American and European living, and we sat down to play our games. Um after a little bit of uh, consideration, I kept a one-land hand in game one, 
but it had two preordains and a brainstorm. And uh, I'm not sure what you kept, Cronin. Um, I had, I think, two counter spells, like a daze and a force, and a several lands and a stone forge and a jace, maybe. Mm. Well, anyway, this uh, this game was a bit of a non-event because I was uh, was banking on finding uh, land number two in my land light deck. Um, I preordained, put the two cards on the bottom. Next turn, I preordained, put the two cards on the bottom. And then I brainstormed, and unfortunately for me, I didn't see land number two, and by then I think Cronin, you'd managed to resolve a, a Jason Mind Sculptor. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. I played so, a Jace, and... <laughs> yeah, so with, uh, with getting um, Fate Sealed and uh, Locked Half Lands, I scooped. So that was round, that was game one, um... Game two was uh, was much better for me. Um, we got into a bit of a, a counterspell battle. Um, I was able to get the Doomsday off. And fortunately for me, Josh didn't have any any protection left when I Gataxian probed him from the no. first card on my stack. And from there, I was able to draw into the the mental note and, and combo out with the uh, with the with the Maniac on Earth plan. And I had a gush in hand as well to to seal the game. So we went into game three, um, and uh, both of us looking for the for the win to get through. And um, yeah, do you want to talk us through this one, Graham? Yeah, I think I opened up on a ley line on this one. That's Just right, you did. You opened you up can. on a ley line, which uh, was, was very difficult for me to play around. It meant that I, if I was going to go for the Doomsday stack pile, I had to really go for a more controlling pile and uh, make sure I landed the Landed the Doomsday. Uh, sorry, landed the Maniac. Uh, hard cast the Maniac because the the typical plan of um, of, of dumping the uh, the Maniac into the graveyard and, and recurring it with Unearth had been kind of shut off to me. Well, I think I also had a Delver pretty early. It didn't flip for quite a while, but uh, just yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right. We got into a, a battle, and I managed to resolve uh, managed to resolve Doomsday. And at the point of resolving Doomsday, I was facing the one one Delver. Yeah, and I built my pile. Um, I thought about it a long time. I, I I probably made some mistakes in what I included in the pile. Um, I think I could have maybe made a tighter play. Um, the the Delver flipped, unfortunately, um, which was something I was banking against. And um, we then got into a, I think it was a counterspell battle. Was it around the resolution of the of the Maniac, or were we before that? Yeah, I think it was around the on the Maniac. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I made a, a huge misplay and um, <laughs> ended up losing. But uh, I think you had it covered anyway, Cronin, because you had a couple of uh, couple yeah, of counter spells in, in your hand, and one of them was uh, Flusterstorm, which I don't think I could have beaten. However, I built built, built the pile, um, but it was uh, yeah, it was a good game. So um, Cronin went to take that one two one. Yay! <laughs> sounds like an interesting matchup. You guys have it below, right? Yep, it is. Yes, one. yeah. Matches. Very cool, very cool. So I encourage everybody to check that one out. Um, next up, we have Alberto Dow versus Cow Nose, and you would never believe what the decks are that are up against each other. Stretch um, versus Stretch? No, no. It's 4C Delver versus 4C Snapcaster. It's, it's an amazingly unique combination. But um, <laughs> who knows who could win this? I mean, I don't know how many times you can analyze the matchup. Both good players. We'll see what happens. Um, next up, myself with. Uh, 
I am not Snapcaster control. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm more like Asper Snapcaster control against uh, Exo 13X. Oh. Um, he we played our match and it was a pretty good match. Uh, game one I took pretty easily uh, on the back of a Vendillion click, which is pretty tough for stacks to deal with. I mean, their only real out to him is the five five flyer that costs six, and usually you know blue decks can deal with that somehow. Um, game two, I thought I had him. I actually had a really good hand. Uh, I don't remember what happened, but he totally flipped me on my butt and kicked my butt. Um, I think it was multiple Phyrexian revokers that I wasn't ready for. And I was relying on a Jace, which just didn't work very well. Um, game three, I brought in my super awesome mega cool sideboard plan against Stax, which is outstaxing Stax with Thalia. <laughs> so I was, I was playing Thalia against Stax. I had her out turn two and it actually ended up really annoying the guy because he played one uh, one uh, sphere and he locked himself out because all he had was one uh, one workshop and uh, yeah it cost four mana to play basically any card in his deck so it's not going to work for him and uh, yeah I also happened to draw four swords to plowshares in a row which was first time I've ever done that and it was pretty backbreaking because by that point he started getting creatures and it was just not very nice of me to keep doing it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then I won that game on the back of Vendelian Click and Thalia, so very cool. Um, next up, we had uh, Chris Cool on Green White Hate versus Fishy Fellow on Iona Oath. Um, or Emrakul Oath. I'll have to change that. Oh, yeah, okay. So Fishy Fellow, of course, is running Emrakul Oath. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't really know who has the advantage here, because Green White Hate's kind of annoying against these decks that are counting on two cards to produce an effect. Um but Iona, or excuse me, Emrakul Oath could also, you know, just basically win the game. It's not like he has every card that can answer Emrakul. So if that ever gets out, yeah. you know, it's tough. Yeah, I think these new new builds of, uh, I think it's basically Shoth, isn't it? Is he not running the old uh, channel? The old channel, yeah. If he's running that, I, I don't, I don't really see what what Greenway Hay can do. <laughs> well, it can actually do a lot because it has a stupid freaking card called Caracas. True, true. That's my least favorite card to play against when I was running that in the second season of the Classic League. Um, yeah, Caracas might just give them enough legs to get there, eh? Yeah, especially if they're running more than one. And I think that, I, I really believe somebody should popularize that, because sure, it sucks when you draw two of them at once, but if you need to have it in these matchups, it's, you know, look around look around the uh, the tournament here, and there are a lot of uh, legendary creatures, so... And does he actually have Caracas? I'm looking at his... Yeah, he's got two main deck Caracas. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a, it's well, a good card. we shall see, we shall see. Then we have uh, the Maniac running another Green-White Hate build against Enric on 4C Delver. And I think Green-White Hate should take this, in all honesty. I just think if it's a creature matchup, Green-White Hate has better creatures. Um, Cantripping against Philip J. Fry. Uh, Tendril Storm versus Belcher. This is our other feature match. Very was, cool matchup. I was going to say, this looks cool, so I'll definitely watch that after we record here. Um, yeah. Uh, don't tell me who won, but if I was going to guess... Hmm. Delver? I, I guess the sheer explosiveness of Belcher makes me want to say that Belcher would take that. I don't know. Um... Who we got next, guys? Got Back Goods uh, running stacks against NCSU31SB playing Affinity. 
And that could be tough for that goods, uh, depending on how much of the hand the affinity player can just puke out onto the table turn one. Yeah, I think it's going to be very tough for him to win that one. Uh, I have to agree. I mean, Trinosphere is not restricted, is it? Yeah. yeah. It is? Yeah. yeah. Have That's... you ever played against four Trinospheres? Do I look like the kind of guy who would ever play stacks ever, ever? No, but you should know what you're playing against. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if they had four Trinosphere, I think they would have a lot better game. <laughs> yes. Also a broken back. Oh. Yeah, because Workshop's not broken. <laughs> Next up, we have Digi84 versus Excorpio. And this is a Stoneforge deck versus Shoth. Mm, I gotta say, knowing who Excorpio is and knowing how good Shoth is, I think he's just gonna run rough shot over a Stoneforge deck. I have to agree, have to agree. Yeah. This could be an interesting match next up. It's Neoto with his Welder Strix deck versus Planet Walls with his Birthing Pod Shop deck. Who wins that? Planet Walls. If he's going to try and birthing pot his artifacts into his graveyard and Naoto's got welders and stuff, that, that seems like a, the worst draw he could have had as far as matchups are concerned. Mm. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree. How many welders are he running? Isn't it like two? I think it's two or three. Uh... Three welders. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but I, I, I kind of... I like Naoto, but I kind of want to see Planet Walls stay in the undefeated bracket. Got to admit. That is a sweet deck. <laughs> so then next up we have uh, Tim Irwin with High Tide, who lost to Naoto last round against uh, Illskin with Dark Times. Wow, that's two really, really tier 1.5 decks that you don't see very much. What do you guys think? Uh, I guess it's... I don't... Illskin probably has some hand disruption. Um... So that might help him. Yeah, he's got like thought seizes. He's got yeah, he's got thought seizes and duresses. Yeah. So and he's got mental missteps as well. Well, now to be fair, Tim Irwin has four spell pierce, three mental misstep, uh, three counter spells, but no force of wills. Yeah, it's a budget build. Oops. Yeah. Alright, well, I, I think I agree with you. If he had Force of Wills, I, I'd have to probably, you know... He has enough disruption if he had Force of Wills. Force Bell Pierce, three mental misstep, and probably the counter spells would have been Force of Wills. But oh, he should be playing Mind's Desire in that deck. <laughs> that would be sweet. But, I mean, there's not really any card that you want to Mind's Desire into. Hmm? Uh, more, more turnabouts, more high tides. Cunning <laughs> Wish? What are you talking about? I guess... Um, and then, is that the last one? No, last one is Kurobo, who's Affinity, against Yuvatha, who is Bant Noble Fish. Any thoughts here, guys? I would think Affinity would win. Oh, I, I reckon, I reckon, I reckon Noble Fish will win this one. He's got... He's got energy three, fluxes. Yeah, he's got three Predators. And Stony oh. Silence, holy crap! <laughs> Four Kasali Pride Mage. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Three Meddling Mage to lock whatever out. He's got some counter spells. And then, yeah, the uh, 
the sideboard is is nuts. So Stony Silence and Energy Flux is probably the worst thing you can possibly like. Okay, it's not as good against him as it would be against some people, but you know, because most of his guys are one-one donkeys who just need to tap to attack. But still, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, this guy is gonna. He really hates artifacts, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and even even the two main deck um, Jete. Yeah, no joke. On well, Edric, so he'll be drawing cards as he's blowing up artifacts with Trigon. Yeah, uh, I think that's going to be a, a blowout match. Anyway, a sixty-one card special there for the Noble Fish. So next up, we've got the Community Spotlight. Yes, who's in the spotlight this week? We've got Mmog this time, former runner of. The Classic League, I think he ran... He must have run five or six of them. I think he did. ran four seasons of the Classic League and two steel cages. Yeah, did a great job. And he so, has moved back to uh, southern Ontario in Canada. His real name is Michael Dolan. And hopefully he's going to be able to get into some of these leagues since he never got to play running all those leagues. Uh, we asked him how he became interested in Classic in the first place, and he said watching uh, Philip J. Fry's Belcher deck in the tournament practice room, he saw how powerful it was compared to the Legacy version and knew he had to give Classic a try. Yeah, I think he had, like, full foil um, Lion's Eye Diamonds at one point, didn't he, having gotten into that deck archetype? Well, I know it's his... He loves that deck. Um, we all know what deck he loves to play. He is a mud player. And he says he knows a lot of people hate the brown menace, but he enjoys the deck. Boo. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm getting really into workshops at the moment. I used to hate the deck. And uh, yeah, recently picked it up and been having some great fun with it. So I am now a brown menace player. Boo. <laughs> Um, and his uh, favorite MTGO accomplishment is in regard to running the Classic League that we've been discussing. And he did a great job with that, and he's glad that it's been picked up and will continue on where he left off and hopes that it's a bigger and better success. Yeah, no, he did really well in uh, in starting the league up and... Uh gathering momentum and getting uh, getting four really solid leagues and a couple of steel cages going it was a good uh, good thing for classic um, and yeah I'm glad it's still uh, still moving on and uh, giving uh, giving everyone an opportunity to play the game definitely I don't think anybody can really thank him enough for what he did because what he did was give us a framework for something that works for the community and yeah it was trial and error of course you ask him he had his trials and tribulations but um, I mean, in the end, I think we all recognize how, how important it was for the for the entire community as a whole. Because now we can get guys like me who don't have time necessarily for a four-hour daily event and other guys who are, you know, usually more mature players who are available on nights and weekends in their time zones. And we can facilitate between us with a week to play and actually get some results in a format that we all love that's not being well-supported right now. And you look at through six different events that he ran, how few if any hiccups there really were I mean, pretty amazing Agreed Yeah, he did a good job Did a good job. 
So, so I know, Zach, you wanted to talk about your new love. Yeah, and, and it's something that I, I talked about before. I, I think, you know, uh, definitely Josh here shares the love with me, but uh, I, I was talking about how omniscience looks really cool to me, and uh, this morning, uh, really early, I, I, I couldn't sleep this morning. I was like, I just woke up, it was super hot or humid or something, and I just milling about the house, and, and I opened Pure, and I was reading the article by, uh, God, I don't remember his name. I think his motto name is Jack Sad, but it's the guy who won the last... Uh, Legacy MOCS, and at first I started reading the article and I'm like, oh, oh, he built um, black, white, blue uh, 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 Stoneforge deck, right? And then I'm like, oh no, it's Rug Delver, and then it was Reanimator, and basically it was the first few decks. Because I didn't watch the coverage, I, I wasn't familiar with it. Finally, I saw that it was that Omniscience build, and I thought it was really cool because immediately I like to look for win conditions. And I saw the redundancy and the burning wishes and the personal tutors and the, the 12 ponder brainstorm, uh, what's the other one, uh, preordain effects. Um, it, it was just a really cool deck, and it, 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 it kind of spoke to me a little bit. I played with it some, and I really got to feeling how ridiculous this Omniscience card is. And I, I wonder, you know, I guess how how pertinent it is to, to Classic as a whole. Because if you remember... Emrakul was around for a while, and it didn't really take off until we found out the right way to use it. Um, I, I, I think there are some other ways that we could get this thing going, maybe in Classic, that aren't necessarily the same for Legacy. Like, cards that we play sometimes are a lot better in our format, or a lot worse in our format than they are in Legacy. Like, when's the last time you guys saw Grim Monolith? Was it like the old Tezzerat builds? But in yeah. Legacy, I mean, it's still a pretty darn good card. Um... What, what do you guys think about the card? I, I know Josh loves it. Andy, have you played with it yet? I, I haven't played with it, no. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't really had that much time to consider it. I, I don't know if it's um, if it's got the legs for Classic, but it's, yeah, it's definitely been ripping up on the on the Legacy scene. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think it does need a little bit of uh, careful thought and building around, though, for, for, for Classic. Because yeah. you've got to fight, you've got to fight through workshops. Yeah, and that, Show that's, and decks have to do that anyways, though. Now, how does that work with with omniscience and show and tell? Because yeah, it costs more mana, but do you still have to pay that mana? Well, what's the text on omniscience? Is it without paying its mana cost? Yeah, because I would think that's a good question, Andy. I haven't even thought about that yet. Let me let me look this up real quick. Gather. I would think if it said for zero mana, it would be different than without paying its mana cost. Without paying yeah. their mana cost, and yeah, if a spell the, the, costs two more, that's part of its mana cost, right? I think so. I, All right, let me I look guess. at Sphere of Resistance. Now the man the mana cost is just the cost in the top corner. The Sphere effect is a tax on top of that, isn't it? Yeah, you might be right. Additional one to play. I, I want to say you're right, Andy, but I'm not totally sure on it. I, I guess I guess it's a good question. Well, if if I were to gush when you had a sphere on the table, I'd have to pay one mana. That's true. Because the even if I'm bouncing two lands to my hand to play the gush, but yeah, I think you're right. So yeah, you'd have to play through spheres, but then again, if you're playing show and tells, it's not like you can't get down a uh, a Grizzlebrand or a uh, 
Emrakul that would be just as hard to deal with. I mean, obviously, Omniscience might be a card that you'd want to maybe side out in that matchup specifically, but outside of stacks, I mean, I think it, it has some game. And being able to cast cards for their mana cost is, is pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, on, on a kind of counter note, mm-hmm. I think if I'm going to show and tell something into play, I'd rather show and tell bargain. Because at least with bargain, I have the ability to draw through my deck. I also, it's more reasonable to be able to cast bargain with dark rituals and stuff like that in the format. So what would be the benefit of Omniscious in classic over, say, four bargain? Just the fact that it can do everything that bargain can do after you draw the cards. So what I mean by that is, if your deck's built to facilitate the card... And look at the legacy version. Ours would be very different, but the legacy version's using 12 draw spells, 4 burning wish, personal tutors, and mine has 3 jaces, the typical deck has 2. So, basically, anytime you're not casting omniscience in one of the huge targets, you're finding a way to get the cards you want. And keep in mind, when you have omniscience out and you start chaining together brainstorms, ponders, and preordains for free, it's pretty, it's a pretty solid way to dig through your deck. I mean, there's not a lot of things people can do. I understand there are mental missteps and all that kind of stuff, but you end up using those up at the beginning of the game. I want to find my show-and-tell. I want to find my um, bargain or whatever else I'd have in there. You're going to use those at the beginning, or it's going to be like a mines. You know what I mean? So I think bargain's an amazing card, and, and I absolutely believe that you know it, it could be... It's probably better than Jace in that slot in the... Uh, in the classic builds, the only, the only real difference is Jace could be pitched to, like, Force of Will or something like that. But, yeah, I, I think it's a separate question rather than saying, why is Omniscience... I, I, I don't think Omniscience and Bargain serve the same role at all, if that makes sense. Because even if you draw a lot of cards with Bargain, you have to pay to play them. Yeah, it's just a different deck, I think, if you're playing Bargain. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, you're still running four Force of Wills and the the various cantrips and the show and tells, and you're sh- you're basically looking to resolve the show and tell to win the game. I mean, I think a better question would be why wouldn't you use bargain over some of those draw spells in a deck with omniscience? Because if you draw bargain, the the whole point in Legacy of playing Grizzlebrand is to do what bargain would be, do. So I get a Grizzlebrand out with an omniscience. That's basically good game. Mm. Most times I'll draw at least 7, probably 14 cards. But it's just the same with Bargain. It would just be the same card on on a different scale. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, maybe maybe you can run both then. I hadn't even considered that as an option. I think so, because, I mean, running both would be amazing. Playing that for zero mana and having every card you draw that's not a land, you play it for free, you know? And if you want, like you said, with if you want that effect, the only thing you're giving up with Gristlebrand is you don't get to be quite as selective with how many cards you draw. Mm-hmm. But you, you can still play a bargain with legs, basically. The thing about Gristlebrand, though, is he also has a clock. Yeah. That's true, that's true. But then if you're drawing and playing cards for nothing, then uh, you'll probably find another way to get a clock. Agreed. They'll probably just concede. You're probably going to cast an Emrakul as well, which is going to give you a a time walk. So they don't really get to ever... As long as you have a Gristlebrand or an Emrakul in hand when you 
show and tell out an omniscience, they're probably never going to get another turn anyways. Mm. And I guess mana draining into an omniscience is pretty spicy as well. <laughs> what are you mana draining that you can cast that? The biggest thing I could think you would mana drain is a Jace. So you're you're going to have six mana and three of them being blue. You are a man, Andy. A man. <laughs> Maybe they go yeah. workshop. You're workshop, gonna need to have you're gonna workshop. need to have two blue to cast the mana drain. Anyway, I think it um, could work. I, 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 I'm gonna put something together. Hopefully, I'll have time to. Maybe me and Josh will work on it together since we both have a similar love for uh, omniscience. Since Andy hates it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You could intuition for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So don't forget to check out these feature matches, everyone. And uh, also don't forget to contact someone, probably me, if you want... Uh, Joe Mama. If you want to be recorded. That's it, that's it. And um, we were going to have a quick word about Clan Magic Eternal and uh, what you need to do if you're interested in joining us. Definitely. Why don't you let them know, Andy? Okay, I'll take the captain's job. Hey, you're one of them, right? <laughs> no, seriously, guys, if you're interested in uh, coming to join Clan Magic Eternal, um, hook one of us up in client, and uh, we'll take you through the steps. Um, we're a pretty active uh, clan in the classic format. You can tell that just by looking at the number of us that have entered into the into the league. Um, just looking down here, there's uh, there's Wiffy Penguin, there's Bankguts, there's Cronin, there's Calavera, there's Cat Weasel, myself, Cow-nose. the Wild Dog. Um, Obviously, Abstract 66, whoever he is, uh, Enderfall, Cownos, yeah. uh, Mooncan, Montolio, uh, they're all members of, of Clown Magic Eternal. Sorry if I've missed anybody there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, really strong, classic active clan. Um, we have our own forums where we discuss various tech and, um, try and, uh, try and do a bit of innovating and, uh, have a lot of, uh, tournament practice games going on as well. So if you're interested in, uh, Finding out more about joining uh, joining the clan, then uh, then get in touch. Definitely, yeah. Everybody's really facilitating, so get in contact with anybody, and they'll basically uh, basically let everybody else know. So uh, yeah, thank you. And that's it, guys, for this week. Um, just like to take the opportunity to thank our uh, hosts, which are PureMTGO.com, and our sponsors, um, MTGOTraders.com. And that's all. Hopefully the league goes well for you next week, and uh, we'll see you in seven. See you guys. All right, thanks, guys.